Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad everybody is tuning in tonight. I bless those for the ones that are here and for the ones that are on their way uh, for whatever reason that, you know, you're trying to get into the Bible study tonight because, baby, we are going to dig into this word tonight. Uh, We got a lot of stuff. I'm only going to do a fast uh, review of chapter 22, Genesis chapter 22. So if you didn't catch it um, last week, you can listen to it on um, iTunes. Then we're going to do 23, and it's going to be very quick because there's just a couple of things in 23 that I want you to see that's very important. Also, we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 24. Now, most of you probably already know, but if you didn't, I'm going to tell you, Genesis chapter 24 is the longest chapter in Genesis. So put that in your little sticky notes because you can just best believe I have it in mind. Um, One of the things I find peculiar about that is you mean to tell me the longest chapter in Genesis is about a man finding a wife? Well, because there are several different things going on. Remember, we introduced some players at the end of Genesis chapter 22, and those same players are going to be in Genesis chapter 24. And again, in Genesis chapter 29 and chapter 30. So these same players that we are introducing into the story, they're going to cause the, the, uh, the family of Abraham some problems. Okay, so they're going to be introduced. They were introduced at the end of chapter 22, Genesis, and we're going to be talking about them again in Genesis 24. And then when we get to Genesis 29 and Genesis 30, that same brother, that nasty brother, going to turn out to be the father of some other people and going to still cause the same problems. But we are going to get to see his heart in Genesis 24. Now, Because there are so many verses in um, Genesis chapter 24, we are not going to finish Genesis chapter 24 in one sitting. It might take two. It might take three settings, okay, because it's a lot, a lot, a lot of chapters, a lot of um, verses, okay? All right, so let's have a quick word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful, God, to be here tonight, to be able to study your word. We are just so excited to just be able to Open up the, 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 the book and just see your words fly up off the page and get into our hearts and into our heads and come in our mouth and come out of our mouth. Because I always say, God, Jesus in, Jesus out. So, Lord, we're just so grateful to be here tonight. We're grateful for um, Sister Ramonda. We're asking special prayer for her and her family tonight and um, just to keep doing what she's doing because her ministry is so needed, God. God, we thank you for those that are here, for those that are on their way. As we study your word tonight, Lord, please give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding so that we can learn your will and walk in your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so Genesis chapter 22 was about Abraham's faith, okay? We talked about um, Abraham was not only present, when God called, but he was ready. He was willing. He was able. I call him a fat Christian, F-A-T. F is for faithful, A is for available, and T is for teachable. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you are not faithful, the Lord can't use you. If you're not available, 
the Lord can't use you. And if you are not teachable, then how are you going to learn God's word? You have to have a, a teachable spirit because it's very hard to try to teach the, the word of God to uh, stubborn, sickness and ha- uh, stiff-neck and haughty people, okay? So you have to be teachable and have a willing uh, uh, spirit, So, okay? God's calling mission was revealed once he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord called him. Abraham said, here I am I or here I am. I'm right here, Lord. I'm ready. Abraham was even willing to give up what meant the very most to him, which was his only son. Because remember, by now, Ishmael is gone. All right? So the only son um, at home is Isaac, and Isaac is the promised seed. But look at that. In Abraham, in the fact that Abraham was willing to give up what meant the most to him, God gave him everything in return, okay? So what are we willing to give up? That's the question I posed last week. What are we willing to give up? I once was watching a um, a prophetess on TV, and she said when the Lord called her, she had to, you know, she was shacking up with somebody. She ended up had to move out um she ended up having to move out, get her own place, pay her own bills, because boyfriend was paying the bills. So she ended up having to get her own place, pay her own bills, okay? She had to miss out on some dinner dates and some movie dates because the Lord was calling her to hire, okay? You can't go hire sitting in the same spot. You have to make some changes. Some things have to go. All right, so what are we willing to give up to get everything? Because that's technically what it is. All right, remember, God told Abraham, um, in Isaac shall thy seed be called, Genesis um, chapter 21, 12. Basically, God is faithful and he keeps his promises. Um, Also in 22, Abraham loved his son, but guess what? He loved God more. Remember, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job chapter 1, verse 21. You know, we, we forget about poor old Job, but look what happened to Job. And then in the end, look what happened to Job. So don't just look at the beginning and the middle. Look at the end, okay? All right. So we talked about Mount Moriah uh, was the home of uh, Solomon's temple, Um was built there, uh, now in Mecca, Saudi Arabia, controlled by Muslims. Remember, we talked about that. Um, Is there anything, though, too hard for God? Even though it's controlled by Muslims, is there anything too hard for God? Because remember, the Lord told Abraham that land was going to be given to his descendants. And we know that God always keeps his promises. All right, now, listen at this. We have no right to expect the provision of God if we are not in the will of God. That's a big one because we keep praying and asking God for things and we're fasting and we're doing this and we're doing that, but our life don't match our lips, okay? So the Lord sees that. If you are disrespectful to your parents and the Lord says honor, your mother and father, 
but you're disrespectful, but you think you're going to have good luck, it don't work like that. If you are not walking in God's will, don't think that God is going to expect the provision. Don't expect it, okay? Then, you, you know, people wonder why their lives are hard. You know what I'm saying? People wonder why they're, they can't, you know, seem to catch a, 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 we used to call it back in the day, hit a lick. I used to be like, dang, why does everything just keep going wrong and just keep going wrong and just keep going wrong? And then I had to see where I was at in God. I was out of the will, I can tell you that much. All right? So we have no right to expect the provision of God if we are not in the will of God. All right? Listen. God was glorified on Mount Moriah because Abraham did the will of God, okay? He was willing to sacrifice the very thing that meant the most to him, all right? In times of testing, we should be thinking about bringing glory to Christ, not whining about the test, all right? Now, remember, Y'all know how we get, oh, I got the diagnosis of uh, diabetes. Oh, Lord, I don't want to go on no insulin, but I don't want to change my diet. Oh, Lord, I don't want to go on no pills, but I don't want to change my diet. I can't push that red velvet cake away. Do you understand where I'm going with it? Everyone, the Lord is trying to grow you. All right, God never sends a test until he knows you're ready for it. So if something drastic happens, Understand that God knows you are ready for this test, okay? Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, do what seems unreasonable, and expect what seems impossible. Remember, we live by promises, not by explanation. When God tells us to do something or we run into a test, Try to see how God is going to get the glory out of it. Try to go through it without murmuring and complaining. We don't want to be wilderness wanderers for 40 years, round and around and around and around, because we're still complaining about this, this little test that God gives us. It seems like a big test, but technically there's one coming later greater. So we got to get the little ones. We got to get past the little ones first. Then the bigger ones are coming. You can just best believe it. Remember, God is trying to grow you. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Okay? So I want you guys to remember that. Write it down if you have to. All right? We always ask God for an explanation instead of, here I am, Lord, send me. I know I used to be, Lord, oh, my God, why? Can't you just tell me what's going to happen at the end? Do I got to just go through the whole thing? Couldn't I bystand some of it, you know, just slip, slide by? Do I got to go through the whole thing, God? I'm telling you, I was a whiner, and I did a whole lot of wilderness wandering for a very, very long time. Um, once we truly know life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then guess what? Life is no longer difficult. If you know life is difficult and you understand and accept that life is not a bed of roses, it's life. Just like prison almost, life. Remember, we are trying to get to where God wants us to be, and that is with him. I know that ain't the popular 
uh, I know everybody wants to hear, you know, we're trying to get the big house, the big car. No. We are trying to get to where God wants us to be, and that is with him, totally trusting and dependent on him for our provision, okay? All right. So we want God to purify our faith, First Peter verse one, uh, First Peter chapter one, verses six through nine. <clears throat> excuse me, and perfect our character. All right, perfect our character. Remember, Abraham held on to the promises of God. He did not know how, when, or why. Hebrews chapter eleven. He did not know. Remember, he named the spot Jehovah Jireh, or the Lord will provide or the Lord will see to it, or the Lord will be seen. All right? So that's what Jehovah uh, Jireh means. The Lord will provide, the Lord will see to it, or the Lord will be seen. Uh, last but not least, remember I talked about a faith that uh, can't be tested, can't be trusted. How true that is, you guys, because I um, had a long, long talk with a friend of mine um, that's going through some trials. And remember what I said last week, and I was able to go back on my notes and help him out. Trials need a need, meaning there are special uh, times when God knows we need to go through trials. Sometimes trials discipline us when we have disobeyed God's will. Remember, I I read that to you in Psalms 119, verse 67. You can go back um, and read that. At other times, trials prepare us for spiritual growth, or even to help prevent us from sinning. Oh, that's a rough one. Um, I talked about the girl on Facebook asking God to send her a sign, but each time God sent her a sign, she kept asking for another one. That's how we do. The Lord done told us or showed us several different things that we should not be doing, and we steadily asking God for that for a different sign. No, he said it the first time. He's not going to change, okay? Um, trials are varied, meaning it's not, you know, win one, win them all. Each trial is different, and then trials are not easy, um, such as a death of a loved one. Um, we must suffer loss, you guys. We are going to suffer loss. I'm telling you, there was a my, – my old pastor in uh, Oceanside, California, God rest his soul, he used to say, dying's in style, everybody's going to do it. And I never understood what that meant, but once I started reading the scriptures and started understanding God's word, I had to chuckle to myself. I said, well, yeah, that is true. And he used to always say that, dying's in style. Everybody's got to do it. And I never did understand that, but now I do. So listen, we cannot put on brave front in front of people to make us look more spiritual. That's not what God is wanting us to do. They need to know that we have issues as well. We are not perfect. I was telling my friend because he's having some problems. Um, his mother is ill right now. And I said, remember, unsaved people are watching us, how we go through trials. Because if we're freaking out and hollering and screaming and crying and, and you know, cutting our wrists and, and, and doing this and that, the first thing they're going to say, well, where is this God that you guys say that you serve? Where is this God person? Well, I mean, if you're doing the same thing I'm doing when I get stressed out or I run into a trial, well, then why do I need to follow God? 
So we as people of God, we have to be aware that unsaved people, they are watching us because they already are trying to find a way to discredit who God is anyway. So we don't need to give them no more ammunition. Okay, we do not need to give unsafe people no more ammunition. Again, we need to let God deal with us. That's hard because most of us um, don't see ourselves the way God sees us. They think uh, God knows my heart. He knows I'm this person. He knows I'm striving to do this. Not true. God sees the ugliness in your heart, the unconfessed sin in your life. He sees all the ugliness about you that you don't think he sees. You can't hide it from God, all right? Uh, We don't think anything's wrong with us, and we don't feel like we need to change. But, yes, we do. You know, when I started this road long, long time ago, it took me forever in the mirror because what I saw I did not like. Once I looked at myself, myself in the mirror, then I said, okay, Lord, work on me. So I started taking steps. I started reading scripture because that's the only way you're going to know how God wants you to act. All right, and it's a daily struggle. You know, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. It's a daily struggle because there's a lot of people I want to hold up and choke. But you know what? By the grace of a holy God, I don't, okay? Second, we need to know who God is, all right? And this is where we come in reading scripture because it's hard to talk about someone you don't know. All right, I'm not talking about what the church told you. I'm not talking about when you open up the scripture for 15, 20 minutes on Sunday. I'm talking about Bible study. I'm talking about reading a little bit of God's word every day, praying, ask God what he wants you to get out of that. I'm talking about invest in you some more books and read. They sell each book of the Bible individually and break it down. Am I saying you got to go buy all 66 books? No, start with one at a time and read and make notes. And that's what we do on um, on Monday night. I want you guys to make notes. I want you guys to, uh, you know, write things down, okay? I have tons and tons. And, t- look, I have so many notes, you guys. I have a filing cabinet. It's ridiculous because I'm a little obsessive. but I like to write things down because I remember them better, okay? So everybody turn to Genesis chapter 23, and we're going to start the reading there tonight. And like I said, I'm not going to read the whole thing. There's some highlights there that I want you to see, okay? Because we're going to see how a Christian, yes, mm -hmm, how a Christian should do business. This is how a Christian should do business. This is Abraham, okay? So we're dealing with Abraham. When Sarah was 107 uh, 107 and 20 20 years old, that's 127, you guys. You know, the Bible always, um, the way it's worded, sometimes you have to go back and read it uh, several times so that uh, you can put the numbers in the right sequence. Okay, so Sarah was 127 um, years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah, and Sarah died in uh, Kerjaerbaum. It's what it is. is It's a place in Hebron, or pretty much in the land of, of, of Canaan, okay? So it says it right there in Scripture in verse 2. 
all right? And then Abraham came to mourn for her. Basically, Abraham Abraham came to weep for her, like sorrowful. So see, here it is right here. It's not saying that we don't have tests and trials and, you know, we're supposed to put on our game face when a family member dies. No, there it is. It says that Abraham came to mourn for her. He, he was a mourner, all right? He was not afraid to mourn, all right? But listen, he went, he went for her too, but he knew that he was going to see her again. So there is a mourning period. We don't just continue on and on and on and on and on. There's a mourning period, okay? Abraham stood up. I'm on verse 3. From before his dead and spake to the sons of Heth, saying, I'm a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I might bury my dead out of my sight. All right. So now the sons of Heth. Okay, these are some some um, sneaky little fellows. All right. Basically, Heth. All right. According to Genesis chapter 10, verse 15, I hope you guys are writing this down, is the second son of Canaan, who is the son of Ham, is the son of Noah. All right? So Noah had a son named Ham. Ham had a son named Canaan. Canaan's second son name was Heth. Okay? So these are, are uh, um, basically um, the sons of Heth and Hittites. Okay? So these are some... Um, not so very nice people, so to speak, okay? So now remember, Abraham, God told him that his descendants are going to possess the land. Abraham does not possess the land. Y'all know how we do. When the Lord told me that this was my land and I need to bury my wife on it, that's how probably we would do it. But that's not how Abraham does it. Remember, Abraham was humble. He was God-fearing. And he knows that sitting around watching him, because he's a stranger in this land right now, even though God is going to give it to his descendants later, Abraham, does never, he never possesses that land, okay? So that's why it's coming up here in uh, chapter 23. And the children of Heth answered, Abraham saying unto him, Hear us, my Lord, thou art a mighty prince among us. In the choice of our sepulchres, bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee this sepulcher, but thou mayest bury the dead. Now, so he's saying, give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead. So he's telling him, I want to buy. I want to purchase the land. They come back with, well, you're a mighty prince. You know, they're trying to stroke his little ego. You can pick anywhere you want, any sister you want, and you can have it, okay? What Abraham does. And Abraham stood up, verse 7, bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. So, you know, he's in the land of Canaan. He's dealing with Heth, and he's dealing with his height. So he's dealing with a bunch of uh, people that don't serve the same God he served. So they're watching him, Okay. They are watching. Uh, they're watching to see um, what he's going to do. All right. So they're they're sitting around uh, uh, 
whispering. So right now he's haggling um, pretty much with the Philistines for the land of Sarah's tomb. So it's a whole bunch of people standing around. You got Philistines, you got Canaanites, you got the sons of Heth. There's a lot, a lot of groups. And they're all going, oh, well, you just go on and um, uh, take it. No, 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 no. Abraham got a little bit more sense than that. And I'm going to tell you why. And he communed with them saying, if it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat me to Ephron, the son of Zohar. So this is um, Ephron, the son of Zohar, is one of the um, uh, big people, all right? Basically, he's a Canaanite, all right? Ephron basically follows the culture customs of bargaining. So he likes the tit-for-tat bargaining, all right? So first what, the, what happens is the seller offers to give the item. You see what I'm saying? People are sitting here looking at this. Then when that is refused, the seller suggests the price. Normally, um, um, he claims it's modest, but it's very high. But we're going to see the character of uh, Abraham, even though it's way out of, out of, for most people. Y'all remember, Abraham got cattle, silver and gold. Abraham is strapped. And they know Abraham is strapped, okay? Abraham got it going on. But instead of him saying, you know what, I got the Lord on my side, and I don't need it, and I ain't got to do this, and I, mm-mm, uh-uh, watch what he does. He says, um, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which uh, he hath, which is the end of his field, for as much money as it is worth, he shall give it me for a possession of a burying place amongst you. All right? And uh, Ephron dwelt among the children of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered. So see, this guy is, he already come from a shady background. All right? He already come from a shady background. I think, uh, who married Hittite women? Um, he sure did. So later on, the Hittites are going to come back. Well, they're there anyway, okay? But they are uh, not that great group of people, all right? So he said, uh, Abraham in the audience of the children of Heth. So remember, he, there's people sitting around, everybody's seeing what Abraham's going to do. So everybody's watching because he serves this, this, this Yahweh God that they don't know, that they don't serve. So they want to know, well, what kind of person is he? Now, they heard of him. He's a sheik. You heard him say that. They know he got a lot of money because he traveled in in, in an entourage. Remember, back in the earlier scriptures, when he went to go get Lot, he had some some, uh, 300 people ready to fight on his behalf. You understand what I'm saying? So Abraham got it going on. So the people are standing back watching. What I told my friend earlier this week, unsaved people are watching how we do business, how we act, if our life matches our lips. Because if they know you can set it off every time, they'd be like, oh, Lord, here she comes. Child, this girl here can set it off. Just watch what you say. Come on, child, because she'll turn into uh, uh, the exorcist. Be quiet. What is that saying about your Christian character? 
So Abraham knows that he is being watched, okay? So he knows right there, Abraham in the audience of the children of Heth, even of all that went in at the gate of his city, saying, Nay, my Lord, hear me. The field give I thee, and the cave that is therein, I give it thee. In the presence of the son of my people, give I bury thy dead. So he said, no, 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 I'm going to give it to you, sweetie. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Now, everybody, remember, they hold business at the gate. That's what that means when they said, talking about at the gate. If you go to Ruth, um, when Boaz offered to redeem um, the land uh, and uh, uh, Ruth, because that's what he was doing. He had to purchase, he had to redeem the land, and Ruth came with the land, okay? So he done business at the gate. He went to the gate to do business because most of the time that's where uh, business was done back in those days at, at the gate of the entrance to the city was kind of like the, the spot, the gate is what they call it, all right? But look what Abraham does again in verse 12. And Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land. That's everybody, okay? And he spake unto Ephron in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. I will give thee money for the field of me, and I will bury my dead there. All right? Now, here's where it came uh, to talk about how fair and how humble Abraham is. Abraham is showing how a Christian should do business with the world, courteously and fairly, okay? Not setting it off. I felt like I was done wrong. I think you're charging me too much, blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you something. I, um, what was I doing? I know there was a young lady at the cash register, and the poor thing, she was just so, uh, frazzled, and she gave me, I think she gave me back $5 too much or something. Well, I had let my grand girl and, and uh, uh, my 10-year-old go up to the, the cash register. I said, here, take this money and, um, you know, go pay the bill. And when she came back, she had money. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 that's not right. I said, um, I looked at the reason, and that's wrong. I said, um, no, 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 no. I said, Lydia, I said, go back up there. That's my grand girl. I said, go back up there and get my receipt because this ain't right. I said, um, she gave me too much money. I said, this ain't right. So the children were watching me to see how I was going to react. Was I going to go, oh, well, too bad, so sad. She messed up. She need to learn how to count money. Now, back in the old days, that's, that's what I would have said, so that's why I said it like that. Too bad, so sad, boo. She need to learn how to count or get another job. Ah, hey, and I would have put that money in my purse, and I would have left. That's the old Dara, okay? But what happened was I did not feel right. The Holy Spirit in me said, no, uh-uh, you know better because that ain't right. Just because she made a mistake don't mean you got to make one. So I got up. I went up to the young lady. I said, ma'am, um, I'm sorry, but um, uh, you gave me back uh, too much money. Um, you know, uh, take this back, you know. And the lady said, oh, my God, thank you so much. And if she did it with me, you don't know how many people she could have been done did it with through the day, and that poor child could have lost her job. All I'm saying is it ain't going to be because I did it. 
Okay, it ain't going to be because I did not take the high road, just like Abraham, because I did not bow myself and show, you know, courteous, be courteous, and be fair. Because if it was me and I miscounted some change, like tonight, tonight I went and bought tickets to the Black Panther. Um, It's opening on uh, Friday. And... uh, Oh, I forgot, you guys. Today's my birthday. Dang. Anyway, so for my birthday present, I wanted to take the kids and me to go see the Black Panther. And the guy handed me five tickets, and I was only paying for four. And he said, count them and make sure that's the right amount. And I counted them. One, two, three, four, five. I said, no, you gave me one too many. Now, y'all know the old dare would have been like, whoo, do you know how much money I could get for this Black Panther ticket? But I'm telling y'all, this is how we should not think anymore. From now on, if we are new creatures in Christ, okay, there has to be a new way. You know, the Lord says, try it, try it, try him, try it. Okay, or try him is what he's saying. Try him. And where is our faith? So to me, I felt like, here, here, man, I'm sorry. You gave me five tickets instead of four. Here's your, your fifth ticket back. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, thank you. Yes, sir. I'm honest. I'm sorry. No long gone are the days where I'm going to take advantage of uh, every situation that presents itself, okay? I'm just not going to do it anymore. And you know what? People call me crazy, but you know what? I have to show the Lord that I am trustworthy with his word, okay? I am trustworthy, all right? So Abraham bowed himself before the people. He told them, I will give you money for the field, take it of me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying unto him, verse 15, my Lord, hearken unto me, the land is worth 400 shekels of silver. Now, come on, y'all. This is a burial plot. This is a burial plot. This is not like two, three acres, <clears throat> excuse me, two, three acres of land. This was priced well above, well above asking price. So he got over like a fat rat eating cheese, as we used to say. All right? He said, verse 15, my Lord, hearken unto me, the land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between me and thee? Bury therefore thy dead. Okay? So look what Abraham do. Instead of cussing him out and telling him off and telling him that's too high and shame on you, the Lord ain't going to bless you, shame on you, blah, 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 just because you gave me a deal, you know, the Lord going to bless you and, and this and that, no, 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 no. Abraham saw everybody watching him. Everybody was watching to see how Abraham was going to act. So. What happened? What does verse 16 say? Abraham hearkened unto Ephron, and Abraham weighed to Ephron the silver, which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, current money with the merchants. Okay, and the field of Ephron, there it is again, uh, which was in uh, Mephala, 
uh, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave was therein. All the trees that were in the field that were in all the borders roundabout were made short. So basically <clears throat> what he's saying is everything that he paid for were deeded to him as a possession. All right? So the text basically emphasizes that the property was Abraham's land by deed, not by the promise of God. All right? But if you notice, this was the only piece of land Abraham ever owned in the promised land showed to him. And he had to purchase that. Remember, God said he was going to give the land to his descendants. Abraham had to purchase the land, all right? And this is where um, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of uh, Machpelah. Something to note, this is where Isaac and Ishmael buried Abraham, Isaac and Rebekah were both buried there. Jacob buried Leah there. And Joseph buried Jacob there. Okay? This was the place Joseph told his the, uh, descendants to bury him as well. So taking his bone, he said, take my bones with you when you come into the promised land. Because by then, remember, uh, you know, the promised land, you know, came in too. So way after that. But he said, take his bones with him. So it was a lot of people. This was a big plot that Abraham purchased, all right? So Abraham was buried there. Sarah was buried there. Um, Isaac and Rebekah were both buried there. And we're ready to start talking about Rebekah now. And uh, Jacob uh, buried Leah there. And then Joseph buried Jacob there. All right, so that's what I want you to see. Um, verse 20, the field of the cave that is therein were made sure unto Abraham for a possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. All right, so there we go. That is how a Christian should do business. And you don't have to take my word for it. It's read in scripture. All right, so let's go on to Genesis chapter 24. This is one of my favorite chapters. Now, remember excuse me, the end of, I want y'all to get y'all's little map um, back out of, remember I talked about Terah had Sarah, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Remember I talked about Abraham got two brothers, okay? He has a brother named Nahor, N-A-H-O-R, Nahor, that's the, um, or Nahor, that's one brother. Then Haran is the other brother. H-A-R-A-N. That's the other brother. Now, Haran passed away, okay? Haran was the father of Lot. Remember Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah Lot. That's the one in the same, okay? Haran is also the father of Milcah, M-I-L-C-A-H. Nahor was married to Milcah, okay? Together they had eight, eight children, okay? One of them was Bethel, and Bethel had uh, Laban, L-A-B-A-N, and a daughter named Rebecca. Now, Rebecca is who married, story of how this all came to be. Now, I told you to write down Laban, L-A-B-A-N, because 
he is going to be in this this chapter. Also, Messy Laban is going to come back uh, in uh, Genesis chapters 29 and uh, 30 because Jacob is going to have to deal with Laban again. So not only is uh, Isaac or Abraham's servant going to have to deal with Messy Laban, um, um, the descendants of Isaac and Rebekah, which is Jacob is going to have to deal with messy Laban again. All right, so let's talk about Laban. All right, Genesis chapter 24. Let's get into the scripture. All right, and Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Isn't that awesome? That's just awesome. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all he had, Pray be thy hand under my thigh. So now it's not anything suggestive. That's just how they did in the East. That was a solemn oath, okay? That was a promise that you're making to somebody is to put your hand, you know, on on somebody's thigh because you're swearing, okay? You're swearing to them, all right? And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of Canaan, of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Why? Because remember, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Philistines, all of them people um, worshipped them false gods, them, the God with the little g-o-d, okay? So they did not deal with Yahweh uh, uh, God, the Lord, okay? They did not deal with him at all. They dealt with, um, you know, false gods, the uh, um, I know they had like the moon god, the god of the sun, uh, fertility. I mean, they had all kind of stuff. And uh, so Abraham is telling his servant, you need to swear, even though I'm dwelling in the land of, do not pick my son Isaac, a wife, out of these people. Remember, I told you uh, later on down the line, Esau picks out two um Wife, two Hittite wives. He married two of them, okay? Two Hittite wives, all right? That's a no, no. But he wasn't, you know, the promise anyway, all right? So, but it's still a no, no, all right? Um, But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son, Isaac. So he's talking about going back to Mesopotamia, and we read about that in the middle, and I talked about or in the beginning of um, uh, the Bible when I talked about the rivers and the uh, Euphrates and all that. Um, But I'm not going to go through it again because, you know, we're pressed for time, and I already uh, went under that. Now, just a reminder, even – now, remember, they're not under the law right now, but even the law – um, that God gave to Moses did not permit the Jewish men to marry heathen women. Deuteronomy chapters 1 through 11. But look how smart Abraham was. The law's not even in place yet. And he already is telling the servant, listen, do not let my son marry any of these foreign women. No wife out of the land of Canaan. She's got to go back to my home. Home peeps. It got to be somebody. You notice he said his people. So it got to be somebody from Haran's crew or uh, Naor's crew, okay? So it has to be his people, all right? Got to keep it in the family. Remember, 
uh, it was Slim Pickens back in them days. Okay, so it wasn't nothing wrong with it, but it was it, it just it just it is what it is. Okay, nowadays you can't do that, but um, yeah. So anyway, he says, "But thou shalt go to to my country, unto my country, and to my kindred." So his kin people take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Preadventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I need bring thy son again unto the land from whence I Abraham said unto him, Beware thou thou that thou bring not my son thither again. That means no, no, and no. Do not Take him anywhere. Bring his wife to him. Okay? So Abraham is telling him, I'm putting my foot down. You're going to swear. Because Abraham sees that his time is, 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 is done. Okay? His time is, is done. So he's preparing for the future because he knows what God has told him. And I'm sure he's told Isaac just like Isaac is going to tell Jacob and so on and so on. Okay? All right. So he says, the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which and which spake unto me, and that I swore and that swore unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from there. Okay? So he's telling him the promise that God has God already made him. And he's also letting him know that the Lord I serve, the God I serve, is going to send an angel before you. So everything's going to be set up when you get there. Don't worry about it. Do what I tell you to do, okay? And he gives him a way out. Ah, that's in Scripture. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath only bring not my son thither again or there again. Don't do it. What did I say? This he got to stay right here. N O N O N O. Okay? And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed. For all the goods of his master were in his hand, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia. See, remember I just said that, unto the city of Nahor. Okay, so now you know that he got to go um, back to um, almost where he started from. Remember, when God took um, Abraham out of the Ur of Chaldees, he told him, leave your family and go. But by then, Nahor had left and went to Mesopotamia. So that's where he was. Now, let's go back because there's a few things I want to point out. All right. Abraham basically was a man of faith who believed God, who believed God's word and knew how to apply it to specific situations and decisions. That's why, you guys, it is so important that we study, 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 study some more, read, pray, study, study, study. Because. We have to be able to know how to apply it to specific situations and decisions, all right? He sought to obey God's word because true faith 
always results in obedience, not disobedience, not, well, you know what, I'm going to get her told anyway, then I'm going to feel better. It'll hurt her feelings, but you know what, I'm going to get her told. I don't care. I'm going to feel better about myself. Now, is that being disobedient or obedient? Because that sure ain't in the will of God nowhere, okay? So the more you meditate on God's word, the more truth you will see in it the more direction you will get from it. That's real simple, okay? So the more you meditate on God's word, the more truth you will see in it, and the more direction you will get from it, okay? This applies to decisions about marriage, ministry, or any other area in life. Unless we trust God's word and obey it, he will not direct our path. Proverbs, y'all should know that by heart. If you don't, look it up. Okay? So there is a whole lot. Abraham is trusting God. Listen, my Lord promised me that A, B, and C is going to happen. Don't take my son back there. Absolutely not. No, 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 he cannot go. His wife has to come to him, okay? Remember, when Abraham left his people, they were serving false gods then. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. I think it was the moon god. I think that's what they were, they were, they were worshiping. I think it was the moon god. Go back. I think it's Genesis 11 and Genesis chapter 12. There was a reason why God, took him from, well, that was the reason, but there was a more than one reason why God told Abraham to get away from your family, go to a place I will show you. Then when he got to that place, he said, now, this is the place I'm going to give you. He had to get Abraham away from that element that he was around. So that's why Abraham was like, no, don't take my son back there. Keep him right here. And he cannot marry any women out of the land of Canaan. So so that means the woman that the servant brings back is going to have to accept Isaac's God because they were not worshiping the Lord, Yahweh. Okay, they were not. They were, they were serving the moon god. I'm pretty sure it was the moon god. You can look it up, all right? So uh, I just want y'all to see that in Scripture, all right? So let's keep going. All right, so Genesis chapter 24. So now, this is what I like. He's got 10 camels of his master. And all the good, a lot of all the good, this says all goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor, okay? Um, and he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water um, at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water, all right? Women's work. The women had to go out, and, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but um, women had to go out and draw the water. See, back then, women did the housework. They had to do everything in the house. 
So normally when a woman had to leave the house, there had to be a little little dowry or a little fee uh, paid to the house because the house was losing a worker because the women did, you know, the rearing of the children, the cooking, the cleaning, um, the drawing of the water, um, birthing the children. You know, they had to do all the, I call it all the hard stuff. So, um, you know, it was a lot. And then, you know, um, um, so the, this servant, notice this servant is unnamed. Why? Because apparently his name was not important. God did not want us to um, concentrate on this person um, per se, okay? He wanted us to concentrate on the servant's task. He wanted us to concentrate on the servant's task. So he stopped out. Now, mind you, when people saw this guy coming, the servant is not by himself. If you got 10 camels, it's safe to say you got an entourage with you. And all of the goods of his master. Do y'all know how much stuff Abraham had? Abraham had a lot, 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 lot of stuff. So he's got 10 camels with a whole bunch of people. They probably dress real nice. They got gold and silver and watches and bracelets and, well, not watches, but y'all know what I mean, bracelets and necklaces and jewelry. and I mean, they got a lot, a lot of stuff. So people on the inside of the city, because it says he stopped on the outside of the city because he's at a well, because he needs to water the the camels, okay? Now, I was reading through um, my um, – one of my books about when you when you read the scriptures, I tell you it's always good to have like several books on it. And it was talking about camels drink um, x amount of water a day. Okay, so it's like forty gallons of water. They go camels traveled about twenty five miles a day and could cover sixty miles if they had to, while the average a uh, person that was walking walked about 20 miles a day, all right? So a train of 10 camels with its attendants and guards, round trip is about 900 miles. So you just say about two months. Say about two uh, months. It's going to take them. So it took them, well, there and back, okay? So it's a long Long, long, all right? So now, he said, I'm going to go, I'm going to do what my master uh, told, told me. But how would he go about finding the right woman for his master's son? Well, guess what? The servant acted by faith. Not only did he act by faith, but he acted by faith in the God of Abraham and Isaac, okay? All right? He believed the promise of God, seek God, to direct him. He took time to pray and to ask God for help. All right? So, excuse me, I want to stop here uh, because I want to talk real quick about Lent. I know last year, um, I asked everybody to kind of observe Lent because it's a time of uh, 
fasting, uh, praying, um, denying yourself, and trying to give up something. We are coming into the 40 days um, before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? So um, Lent this year begins on Wednesday, February the 14th. Now, I know most Christians do not, um, they do not um, really practice Lent, but I think it's a good um I just think it's a good practice for anybody because it's a time of reflection. It's also a time of repentance, okay? And um, it lasts 40 days, not counting Sundays, all right? It begins on Ash Wednesday, which is this coming up Wednesday, the 14th. It's the day after Mardi Gras. Believe it or not, you guys, Mardi Gras was actually a uh, Christian holiday. I know, I know. What the people did was on Mardi Gras, they ate fattening foods, the milk, the eggs, the uh, butter, pancake. Actually, Mardi Gras, pancake day. They ate that because the next day was Lent, and that was their time of fasting, denying oneself. Um, It's a time for repentance, fasting, and preparation for the coming of the death burial, and resurrection of Christ, okay? It's also a time of self-examination and reflection. All right, so I just want you to think about it. If you want to participate, you can. If not, you don't have to. I've already started. All right, so... Sundays are not counted, okay? So what you want to remember is repentance, fasting, and preparation for the coming of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's a time of self-examination and reflection, all right? Sundays do not count, all right? So I just want you to maybe think about it. Eat a nice, big, hefty meal tomorrow, which is the 13th, which is Mardi Gras, which is Pancake Day, okay? And then starting on Wednesday, um, fasting, uh, giving up certain luxuries. Um, You know, remember Jesus fasted. um, You know, he went into that journey in the desert for 40 days. It's a lot getting ready to go on. If you don't want to, if you don't think you can give up something, try reading a daily devotional. See if that'll help. Um, you know, get into a habit of praying every morning, uh, reading a, a daily devotional, praying every night before you go to bed, scripture, okay? And then next week, we are going to finish, uh, keep going on in chapter 24. Thanks, everybody, tonight for listening. God bless you. God keep you. And may God cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Good night. See you next week.